How do I shepherd my children? How do I raise my kids so that my great, great grandkids would love and serve the Lord? (laughs) Not just so that my kids, because that's what God's about. I mean, God's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's generational. God cares about this. And we don't tend to think in those in those ways in our culture right now in this moment. We just think that men are replaceable. From Living Word Church, you're listening to the Living the Word podcast, encouraging you to walk steadfastly in your Christian faith. Welcome to another episode of Living the Word podcast, where we seek to love Jesus with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, and with all of our gray matter too. I'm really excited about our episode today, but before we get any further, please remember to rate, subscribe, like, share, yeah. and we really appreciate all of the people that have left comments and reviews before. Thank you guys very, very much. And we're excited to have a special guest on our podcast today. Pastor Ben and I are kind of co-hosting yeah, today. something like that. And we're here with Pastor Matt Bell. Hi, Pastor. How Hi. are you doing today? It's good. I'm doing really great. Just ate some powdered donuts that you call something else here. Beignets? Beignets. Yeah, you were wearing them all over I your was. I shirt. was wearing them. I'm still wearing some of them. You wore black today. What I a did. Poor idea. I did. It was a horrible. I didn't know I was going to be doused in. You didn't know you were going to get beignets. I didn't even know what they were. Yeah. Until so what a few was your experience ago. like? Uh, they were they were they were very yummy. So you're from San Antonio, Texas. I am from San Antonio, Texas. So what what do you what what type of? So we have sopapillas there, mm-hmm. and so those have like brown sugar on them, and uh, we put honey on them as well, but not powdered sugar. So how did a beignet compare to a sopapilla? Well, normally you have a sopapilla after you've eaten a Mexican dinner. So enchiladas, tacos, <laughs> fajitas, rice and beans, salsa, chips. And so you normally wash it down. You know, that, that, yeah. that sort of is your, is your palate cleanser, if you will. <laughs> but not normally first thing in the morning. <laughs> so Love it. So glad you're here with us. Today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, normally... But normally I don't, I'm not up at four in the morning either to do this <laughs> podcast. So it's hard to wake up for sometimes. You know, but the beignets made it made it worth it. Made it worth it. That's awesome. Well, yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself. What church do you pastor? So I I pastor Destiny Church in San Antonio, Texas, and I've pastored there for the last eight years, and it's a wonderful church. Our church is 80 years old. It was founded by my great grandfather in 1941. So this year will be. Uh, 81, I guess, or 82. I, I lose track of how old we are. We you know when you're 82, you kind of <laughs> lose track. But yeah, so uh, founded by my great grandfather during World War II and pastored by my grandfather. And he was the pastor when I was growing up there at the church. And then my dad pastored until 2012. And then I took over in 2014. Well, wow, that's a legacy. It is a legacy. Wow, that's wonderful. Yes, Dominic. That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your family. You know, I have a wife. And four kids, and they're wonderful, and I does love your them. wife have a name? She does. And my kids <laughs> my kids also have names. Okay. And my wife's name is Heather. And my kids' names are Faith, Judah, Asher, and Charity. Excellent. I like the name Judah, actually. Okay. I want to find his name the same. Wow. You know, you're in I good was, company. I was kind of on the fence about that name for the last eight years. But now that you like it. So we're in we're, uh, a... Like it's just clan together here. It's really the Judah clan brings it all together. So you have a kid named Judah? I do. It's my youngest. Wow. How old is she? That's a joke. See how you are. That's a joke. How old is he? (laughs) Yeah, he'll be one here in the next few days. Oh wow! Wow! Happy birthday, Judah. Yeah. Hopefully, you can have the party while I'm still in town. Yeah. Well, it's this Sunday. In fact, why don't you come on over? I would love to. He's he's preaching this Sunday, so there we go. Outstanding. We'll have the preacher amidst our midst. Wow. 
Very cool. Yeah. Um, what are you having for food? <laughs> Probably cupcakes. Okay. <laughs> well, we, we, can, we can work on that. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to my in-laws. Yeah. You also have a wife, probably. I do. And her She's name awesome. is Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Wonderful. Can't wait to meet her. She sounds like a lovely lady. <laughs> oh, well, Pastor Matt Bell, I, I loved your answer when I asked you this uh, a couple of days ago, but what do you do for fun? So what I told you a couple of days ago is that I preach and I hang out with my kids and my family. And that's pretty much my life, pastoring the church and, and doing whatever my kids want to do, whether that's go swim or watch a movie or whatever. Yeah. What are your kids into? Uh, swimming and watching movies. Are <laughs> <laughs> you saying uh, dirt bikes? Or uh, yeah, biking? dirt bikes. Uh, <laughs> Stay away from dirt bikes. You know, they're really into tattoos right now. So, you know, <laughs> no, not really. Uh, they love to play tennis, anything outdoors. They just really enjoy it. So, <laughs> yeah, we're here on vacation right now. So I'm kind of in vacation. You're mode. vacationing in Homa. I, I am. Um, I don't, you, you may not know that Homa is one of the top five vacation destinations in the United States. Or you have poor taste. We'll see. You just made that up. Just insult me <laughs> on, on your podcast. Okay. So anyway, but yeah, so I'm in vacation mode. I'm just hanging out with Ben and, and Estelle and we're just here to, to have some downtime with them and preach on Sunday. I love it. So how did you and Pastor Ben become friends? Let's let the My pastor friend? talk. Yeah. yeah. So I, I met Matt. Uh, in 2017 on a, no, 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 no. The video chat came later. I met Matt in 2017 at a pastor's conference at his church. His church was hosting a conference um, in San Antonio and Pastor Renee invited me to go. And so he, Pastor Renee told me, said, I think you need to meet this guy, Matt. And so we went and had coffee and it was like a two or three hour coffee and we got to know each other. And then, um, then we did a video chat with some other pastors, you know, later on, a few months later, and I kind of started building a friendship with him and some other pastor friends. And um, so it's going on five plus years now that we've been friends. And yeah, that's how that's how we met. I've preached. I've preached at your church two or three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This will be your second time preaching at Living Word. Yeah. It's a great blessing excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we brought you on the podcast to talk a little bit about your journey into becoming a pastor and some of the the events and kind of a difficult season. Yeah. Um, could you give us a little bit kind of background about you and what led sure. up to that? I grew up in the church. And uh, like I said, my grandfather was the pastor when I was a kid and I wanted to be just like him. And I used to wear a little three-piece suit and take a Bible to church when I was in Sunday school because, you know, we all wore suits or the, the adults wore suits. Those were the glory days of Pentecost, by the way. And uh, anyway, so I wanted to be just like him and uh, really felt the call of God on my life from a very young age, wrestled through that as a teenager and a young adult, but really uh, surrendered my life to the Lord and wanted to serve him. And so after college, I had come on staff at the church as the youth pastor, working under my dad, who was the pastor at that time, and really loved it, did that for about nine years and really had some wonderful, wonderful times uh, pastoring the youth and serving in the church. Uh, as a youth pastor, you know that you do a lot more than pastor youth. You pretty much, you know, you do podcasts. You, I don't know what else you do, but you clean the, clean the church, clean the church, <laughs> it, it, whatever, whatever needs to be done. And so I had really taken that on. You know, I believed in in my dad and his ministry and. Uh, believed in the direction of the church. And so whatever I could do to serve that and make his life easier, I was just, that's what I was there to do. And I hadn't really ever thought about 
pastoring, uh, you know, the lead pastor role because my dad was there. He was young and he would probably pastor till he was 80, which would have made me 50, you know, no, 60. I'm, I'm really bad with math, obviously. So anyway, I, I figured I was just going to be there and serving under him for a long time. So and tell us a little bit about your relationship with your dad. Yeah. So my dad, you know, I have four younger brothers. So my mom and my dad have five boys and he was just a phenomenal father. Um, even though he was very busy pastoring the church, he always involved us in what he was doing. And so we were always involved in ministry and he, he just was that godly presence, man of integrity, really poured his life uh, out into our family and produced really a love for his love for the Lord was inspirational. And so you saw the way he loved the Lord and served the Lord and served the church and served other people. And he never made it this overwhelming burden. It was just a joy. And so you wanted to be around that. You wanted to be involved in that. And so, yeah, that was a little bit of my relationship with him. Yeah. Now, as you got closer to um, the events that kind of threw you into being pastor. I think you had mentioned that the church has already had some surprise difficulties. Yeah. So I, you know, up until 2012, just pastoring with him, uh, serving under him, but really May, the first, the first day of May, May 1st, 2012, uh, the church got some really bad news and we had an individual that, that had not done the books correctly. And my dad uncovered, discovered that the church owed the IRS a lot of money and that some things have been going on behind the scenes for a very long period of time. And so on, on that Tuesday morning, he found out that we owed the IRS $1.2 million. Wow. And uh, for the next few days, uh, really as his right-hand guy, we started working through what, what does this look like? How do we move forward from this? The the IRS had actually put liens on our buildings. Um, they had written letters telling us they intended to seize the church properties. And so we we got to work over the next few days trying to understand what had happened. Where did this problem come from? How do we you know dig ourselves out of this hole? And um, that was on a Tuesday, and so we were looking forward to. Uh, that Sunday, and he was working through like, how can I, how can I stand in front of the church and just act like everything's okay when it is really not okay? But we weren't at a point yet where we could even we didn't even understand all the details. So you can't go to the church with this yet. And when just for clarification, because I've been to your church a few times, the building that you're in now, yeah, when had that been completed? Uh, 1992. Okay, and I think so. You you got an older chapel, mm-hmm. the original sanctuary, or ninety seven, okay. ninety seven. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, you'd been in the building for for yeah. for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was really wrestling through. Uh, you know, he he really was. When I say he was a man of integrity, he really was. And so he was struggling that week with. I, I we're not at a place yet where we can bring this to the church because we still don't really understand everything that's happened. But how can I stand in front of them and and be someone who declares the truth if I'm holding this back? And so we were sort of anti- you know looking, wondering those of us on the staff and the elders and in the inner circle, you know what what he was going to say that morning. Wow, 
Um, it's definitely kind of turning up the heat on things for you, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. It was, it was very, uh, it was, it was, it was a big blow, you know, finding that out and discovering that. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's kind of setting the stage, but what kind of was the turning point? What was the first domino that sent you? Yeah. So, uh, so when we get to church that morning, um, I got there early cause I was on the worship team. I got there around eight 30 and my dad, he usually would get there around six to get, to just pray and, and get ready for the service. And so when I got there, I saw that his car was already up there, up by his office. And so I went into the lower building, the offices are up by the chapel, but I went into the worship center and uh, just went through the sound check, practice and into service. And in the middle of service, we, we made it all the way through worship. And you're on stage, right? I was on stage playing guitar. And after worship, uh, nobody came to transition the service. And so the worship team finished and we were all just kind of looking around, you know, normally after worship, somebody comes up and, you know, either an- does announcements or takes an offering or has a prayer or Bible reading something and nobody came. And so it, it kind of got awkward. So I decided, well, I'll, I'll, I was looking around like, where are the leaders? There's nobody in here. All the leaders were gone. It was really weird. So I go up, I take the mic and I start doing the announcements and the offering. And while I'm doing that, one of the elders of the church runs into the service, a dead sprint. And he runs all the way from the back of the church. And I see him coming because I'm standing on the stage with the microphone doing the announcements. He runs up on the stage. He grabs the mic out of my hand. He announces, if anybody knows CPR, I need you to come with me right this second. He hands me the mic or drops the mic and runs out the side of the building. And I'm like, "Um, well, why don't we pray for whoever this individual is that needs CPR? And so we start praying and everyone's just very much engaged in in lifting up and praying. And, And I'm looking around like, certainly somebody's going to come and, you know, I'm just the the youth pastor, you know, I'm the lowly youth pastor. Where are the elders? Where are the leaders? Where's my dad? Somebody should come and take over this and nobody comes. And so finally I decide, well, I better go figure out what's going on. And so I see one of our missionaries there, a man named Ron Bishop, and he was in service that day. And I walked off. I said, I'm handing this over to you and I'm going to go figure out what's going on. And I walked out of the uh, the service and looked up towards my dad's office. And there was just a group of people congregating around the office. I thought that's weird. And so I walked up, uh, to his office and I, I walked into the office. And as I walked in, I, I saw my dad laying there on the floor and the young lady that knew CPR was there and she was doing CPR on my dad. Uh, trying to resuscitate him. And my brothers were in there. I have, again, like I said, four younger brothers. Their wives were in there. And they were all very distraught, very upset. And I didn't realize or recognize that um, they, my brothers, had found my dad during service, um, that he had actually passed away in his office chair. And when they discovered him, they thought he was maybe asleep. And so they tried to wake him up. He wouldn't wake up. They, they realized something wasn't right. So they called 911 and 
they were on the phone with EMS and my brothers were actually doing CPR on my dad before the, the, the nurse from our church uh, came. And we just started praying. You know, we started praying for my dad and I believe the Bible. I've grown up, love the word of God. The Bible's taught at our church and the Bible says, if anyone's sick, call the elders and pray for them and God will heal them and raise them up. And so I called the elders. I said, get in here. We got to pray. We got to pray for my dad. And so we're in there and we're praying. And um, about about that time, the EMS show up. And so I'm like, okay, great. EMS is here. Everything's going to be fine. They're going to they're going to take care of this situation. We're going to we're, we're going to be OK. And so I've, I've got a question. Just yes. Sorry. Jump, sorry. Jump in. No, yeah. no, no. So like I'm just trying to process what that would be like. So like you're processing you. You, you believe he's dead. No, you, I thought you, he was alive. I mean, I, I thought he I thought maybe he had a pulse. I didn't know what was going on. OK. Yeah. So how, how long from the time you walked in and saw him until the paramedics showed up? It's all really foggy. I'd say maybe five minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. So in your mind, you think, you know, there's still, still a chance. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been there for five minutes. The EMS shows up. I mean, right. maybe, maybe two minutes. Yeah. You know, it was a short period of time. And so, you know, they come in, they clear, they clear the, the space around him. The, the nurse gets off of him and uh, they, they literally took one look at him hmm. and they said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. I said, what do you mean there's nothing you can do? Like, this is my dad. Get the, I've, I've watched TV. I, I know what you're supposed to do, you know, get the paddles out, start shocking him. Yeah. And they're like, no, I, I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. And at that point I, I was a little bit upset. And so I told them, well, then get out of here, hmm. get out of this office. Cause I only want people of faith in here. Cause we're going to, we're going to pray and God's going to heal my dad. And they're like, oh, okay. So, you know, I kicked them out of the office. I got the elders we started praying and about this time, somebody hands me a, a telephone mm-hmm. and they tell me your mom's here. It's your mom. She's on the phone. My mom was out of town that day. She was out seven hours away speaking at a ladies retreat. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, it's my mom. And so there's tons of commotion in the office. My brothers are obviously distraught. Their wives are crying. And so I step out of his office into the chapel building or into the chapel to talk to my mom so I could hear her. And she says, Hey, um, somebody said something's up with dad. What's, what's going on? He, sh- he should be preaching right now. I said, no, he, he, he's, he's gone. Dad's gone. She's well, where did he go? I said, no, you don't understand. Dad's dead. She said, How, what do you mean? He's dead. He's 57. He was playing tennis yesterday. He's in the best shape of his life. What do you mean? He's dead. I said, I don't know. It looks like something's happened with his heart. I, I, I don't know. And I'll never forget her words to me. She says, is there any hope? And it just hit me at that moment. I said, no, mom, there's, there's no hope. There's no hope. The EMS have been here. They've, they've tried to do what they can. There's no hope. And so she said, okay, I, I'll, I'm, I'm getting the car. I'm on my way. I'll be there as soon as I can. And so I told her I loved her and got off the phone and that, you know, up until that point, I'd been really strong, a lot of faith. And when I talked to my mom and told her there was no hope and, and really relayed the events and it really hit me that what had happened. And at that moment, I, I just fell on the floor. I collapsed in the chapel and began to cry, began to weep. 
and was weeping for about five, six seconds, just really like a cork in my soul was just unplugged. And while I was laying there weeping, I, I just felt the Lord not audibly speak to me, but just bring to my remembrance, there's a church down there that's just lost their pastor and they don't know. And somebody has to go take care of them. Somebody has to go tell them and care for the people. And as, as soon as that happened, it's like all of the crying stopped. I had strength again. And I just felt I, I have to be the one that goes in and and tells the people, shepherds the people, cares for the people. Now, I remember pre-recording, pre-sitting down with you, you talked about there was an elder who had dismissed the congregation and said, yeah. you know, Pastor Dave Bell has died. Everyone needs to go home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in that in that in that process of talking to my mom in the EMS, somebody had gone and and told the church what had happened and, and said, service is over, you need to leave. And so I've felt this sense from the Lord to care for the people. I'm now walking back down to the, the worship center and the people are coming out just crying and weeping. And so I say, no, everybody back in, everybody back in. And so uh, we went back in and I spoke to the church and really just felt this very strong sense from the Lord to, to lead and to take care of and to pastor and to shepherd and spoke to them about how, how Satan's going to try and use this to bring division in our church, to destroy our church. Now, of course, they don't know that we owe the IRS $1.2 million, mm. right? That we just found out about five days earlier. But I'm, 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 encouraging them to to seek the Lord over the next few days and that God is going to be with us and he's going to help us to make it through this and invited one of the el other elders up to pray to come and pray for the church and then the worship team came and and just encouraged the church to minister to one another and pray for one another uh, about that time I got called away by the police to go and do an interview uh you know they they have it's a crime scene you know, there's somebody dead. And so they got to start trying to piece together if there's been any, you know, crime that's taken place. And I went back up there, watched them uh, put my hero, my my best friend, really, um, in a body bag and on a stretcher and, and wheel him out and put him in a hearse and, and take him off. And, uh, but from but from that moment, um, I, I really just felt a, an intense burden to, to care for the church that I had never felt before. It had always been to serve my dad, to serve the pastor and, and to serve the church, but really his vision, his direction. And, and all of a sudden I had a very strong gut on, on how things should go and what needs to happen. And it, it it really came from that moment in that chapel when I was just pouring my heart out to the Lord. Yeah, so my dad was an incredible man. He um, wasn't just a father to us. He was a father to hundreds of other people. And uh, even at his, his memorial service, when we had the viewing, the line uh, out, out of the church stretched all the way 
from our chapel building down to the, our lower worship center and all the way around that. And people stood there for three hours just to be able to come and to pay their respects. And and it was pouring rain too. So they, they stood there in the pouring rain. And so, you know, as somebody who now is a father and has small children and talks to other people and sees other people and hears their stories about how they grew up and uh, I, I really recognize the importance of a father now like never before and the difference that it makes. And so the, the, the role of the father is not, um, it's not something that you can just replace. It's not something that you can just decide or a culture can just decide, well, we don't need that anymore. No, it's absolutely necessary. And, you know, statistics bear it out a home without a father. The, the odds that that person is going to be impoverished is going to be abused is going to grow up into a life of crime. It's, orders of magnitude higher than a home that has a good, godly, loving father. And it sets up, um, it sets up not just your kids, but it, it's, it's your grandkids and your great grandkids. It, it sets a legacy, uh, for, for godly image bearers to worship God and serve God for generations to come. And so a lot of times as dads, we can get distracted with this or that and pulled away from investing in our kids. But the only connection I have to my grandkids is my kids. And the only connection I have to who's coming up behind me is through them. That's a great thought. And so how, how do I, how do I, how do I shepherd my children? How do I raise my kids so that my great, great grandkids would love and serve the Lord? <laughs> Not just so that my kids because that's what God's about. I mean, God's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's generational. He, he, I mean, from Adam, you know, the, the genealogies are in Matthew and Luke, you know, like the, God cares about this. And we don't tend to think in those, in those ways in our culture right now in this moment. We just think that men are replaceable and you can just, the state can come in and, and, and fill that void. And it's just absolutely not the case. As the men go, so go the culture. As men go, so go the family and the church and the community. Man, what a what a powerful thought you had there. The only you know, the way that I reach my grandkids is through my kids. That's such a powerful thought. I stole that from somebody. Oh, okay. I'm sure. <laughs> That's not original with me. That was wonderful. Yeah. That's yeah, good. That, that, I ripped that off from somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I hate cutting the story in half. Don't like do this. that. Why are you doing you know, that to but, us, Dom? <laughs> but uh, we're going to have to wrap for this episode. Uh, definitely come back and watch the, the second part of Pastor Matt Bell's story. Uh, we're going to release it next week. Right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to it uh, very much. But uh, thank you for being here with us. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to submit a potential question, a topic, or an idea for a future episode, or learn more about Living the Word podcast, you can visit us at livingwordhoma.com. We would like to say thanks to all of you who subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. Living the Word podcast is a production of Living Word Church in Homa, Louisiana, under the leadership of Pastor Ben Bufkin. Our prayer is that you will remain faithful to living the Word.